Hello, welcome along to the podcast. How are you? Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you to the sponsors as ever. Jason Briggs of Bangalore has been sending me inspirational, motivational videos around England being in the European Championship final, which is the subject of this podcast. One from Del Boy, David Jason, uh, kind of uh, in Del Boy character from the TV show Only Fools of Horses and another sort of uh, poem as well. He sent me today inspiring the nation. But thank you to Jason and his team, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Really appreciate their support, sponsoring the podcast for more than a year now, really helped get through the pandemic, galvanize it, help me get more active and devote more time to it as well and, and buy some equipment, which has been really cool talking on a microphone here wearing my Bang Olufsen headphones as well remember through Serene AV not just Bang Olufsen fine equipment you can get though you can uh, get bespoke home entertainment solutions whatever it may be your budget your vision just talk to Bang Olufsen Cheltenham Jason and his team go on the Bang Olufsen Cheltenham website or B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media get in touch with them and then uh, they'll I guess offer you a consultation and, and go from there but uh, good people appreciate their support as I do Cytoplan which is a food-based supplement company in the west of England, beautiful village of Hanley Swamp. But more importantly, we've taken as a family, the Drapers, their supplements for 20 plus years still pay. Always stress that, albeit at a discounted rate, which we offer to you through the podcast. But it's something that we believe in, that gap between, you know, kind of filling the gaps after your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise, just that micronutrition that supplements provide. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, has worked with Cytoplan on the constituents of their supplements for many years and held seminars for them. He's a micronutrition lecturer as well, has run courses in nutrition and specifically his area of interest, things like selenium and zinc in the soil and uh, this sort of holistic one-stop multivitamins or vitamins that Cytoplan provide like foundation formula and immune complete. He's a big enthusiast of and advocate for, but they have a whole range of supplements bespoke and specific at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. If you're looking to optimize your immunity and your health and the discount code associated with this podcast is Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, my last name, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. Right, let's get on to the podcast then. The effervescent Tom White, one of my colleagues at Sky Sports, hugely passionate Sunderland football fan, big England fan as well, as he says here, he's been wearing England kit throughout the tournament at the European Championships. And England are through to the first ever final. They've been in the semis before in 1968, 1996, so the first ever time they're into the final of the European Championships, second ever major final after the winning the World Cup in home soil in 1966, back at Wembley this Sunday night, 8pm kickoff against Italy, who won the tournament in 68, but won the World Cup four times as well. Really prestigious, storied nation in the history of football. Going to be a challenge, but England are at home. So I thought I'd set the scene with Tom after we spoke before the Denmark semi-final. He predicted Denmark would win. So hopefully that was a good omen. So thought we'd better get him back on and hopefully he can jinx Italy the way he jinxed Denmark. But here he is, uh, the one and only Tom White. <laughs> Tom White, welcome back to the podcast. For the first time in our lifetimes, England are in the final of a major tournament. Has it sunk in yet? Is it real? Uh, yeah, it's been, honestly, I was it, I was far more um, uptight during the game than I, than I expected to be. Mm. And ever since then, I've been 
wearing England gear. I mean, I've been wearing <laughs> England gear for most of the tournament, but I've been going to the gym in my England gear yesterday, picking my son up from the nursery <laughs> in my England gear, trying to make him wear his England shirt that I got him. It's been, uh, it's, it's a, a real euphoric feeling. And I, I can't believe the final is only, you know, it's only 48 hours away pretty much. Yeah, I thought we should get you back on because... I thought we jinxed it when you said Denmark would score first and win 1-0 or you, you predicted Denmark 1-0 scoreline. Whoever scored first, you said, would win the game. And when Damsgaard curled in that free kick on half an hour in, I thought, oh no, he might have, uh, no. he might have nailed this one. But they, they turned it around, to be fair. So I think now we're a lucky chance. I thought we should have another a chat ahead of this one. Uh, it was it was nervy to the night, but it wasn't quite as terrorising, as terrifying as some of the nights have been watching England. No, it, well, the, the fact that we won definitely helps that. Um, <laughs> it's true. But I, yeah, it's, when the thing is, I think maybe it was because it was in the first half, but when Denmark scored, even though I said whoever scores the first goal will win, mm. you know, that was, that was pre-match. During the match, when they scored, I actually thought, you know, I think we're going to get back into this. I completely changed my mind having been watching the game because I thought when we attacked we looked very dangerous they didn't look as solid as maybe I was expecting them to be and I felt that we would definitely get chances it might be a bit different against Italy but I felt we were going to get chances and we had the players to to take those chances so and, and the fact that we got back into it before half time was huge because the longer the game goes on the more nervous you get uh, mm. as, as the players I mean and the maybe more bad decisions and rush the blood to the head yeah, um, and they, they gain the confidence, players, don't they? As it goes on, Denmark would have gained more confidence, I think. It's only nine minutes between the goals, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the, the the players were far more calm than the fans, and it seemed like they always believed they'd get back into it, and they did. Yeah, they did, and it's it was a bit lucky the penalty, wasn't it? I suppose, but I guess that they happen to us against us, and it's just one of those things in football. I, I, I completely disagree. I cannot even believe there's a debate about this. It was a definite penalty. And I think we should have we should have had one earlier as well. Yeah. So I, I think that I, I cannot understand why anybody thinks that wasn't the penalty. Do you it think was, it was a penalty for the knee on was it knee on knee and hip rather than the kind of foot that came in from Melee? There was a sort of knee that hit yeah, Sterling, I, wasn't there at some point? I think the knee on knee. But also the other one, there's an argument to say that there was there was two instances that could have been a penalty in that one tackle. Mm. So I am I'm really um, surprised. I don't know the official rules about that ball being on the pitch. Um, yeah. So when we when we when we when the own goal was scored, there was a second ball on the pitch. Now, being a Sunderland fan, I know all about the beach ball, and I was always told <laughs> that when a, a foreign object was on the pitch, it turns out that that goal shouldn't have stood. You know, I'm glad it did. One, because I'm a Sunderland fan, and two, because it's, it's well, it's just it's so different, isn't it? It's a, mm. a bit of fun, unless you're a Liverpool fan. It's a bit of fun. Um, so at the time, with the with the second ball on the pitch, I thought, okay, if the rules are that you can't have two balls on the pitch, and he's supposed to stop it. Well, in that case, we've been lucky. But the penalty, a definite penalty, and no one will ever convince me otherwise. That's in, that is interesting you say that. And but they VAR reviewed it as well. So they had plenty of time, didn't they? It wasn't like this was a sort of a sort of trigger happy referee giving a penalty. They had a good good look at it as well. No, but that's that's why you see VAR uh, here is very much in the Euros. It really is very quick. Is it clear and obvious error? No, it's not. Just just get on with the well, game. And that's and, and it's been really VAR has been really praised in that tournament. And there's no even if even if I was to say yeah, come and think about. I don't think it was a penalty. 
it's not a clear and obvious error, which is what mm. we've been saying in the Premier League all along. Mm. If it's not a clear and obvious error, let the game continue. So I still don't think there's any argument at all to say that wasn't a penalty, even, even, even taking that into consideration. I'll tell you what, I've got an email here from Sky Sports News, erstwhile England reporter Rob Dorsett, uh, he, on this topic of the extra ball. And he's quoted here the rules from IFAB, which says, if an extra ball, other object or animal enters the field of play during the match, the referee must stop the match only if it interferes with play. And there's a bit down below as well. It says, if an extra ball, other object or animal enters the field of play during the match without interfering with play, the referee must have it removed at the earliest possible opportunity. So I guess by that rationale as well, it didn't really interfere with the sequence of play, did it? The players that were going for the, the match ball. See, see, that is debatable as well, because it went, it came very close to the other ball. And like if, if the, that could confuse a defender, I could understand how that could confuse a defender. Mm. And then I think, oh, well, hold on, what's what's going on here? And in that split second, you lose concentration and concede a goal. So, um, see, that, I think that's open to interpretation. So in that sense, we could have had the bad luck fall on our side and we actually had a bit of luck there. But mm. let's not let's not uh, worry about that because we've had plenty of bad luck over the years. years. Let's not forget in 2010, Lampard's... <laughs> goal that yeah. was clearly over the line so um yeah that that, that one though I, I could kind of see an argument for that mm. yeah bad luck you have Ronaldinho's sort of free kick over Seaman I know it's not the same sort of thing but even the uh Paul Parker back of him in Italian 90 and the way it looped over Peter Shilton and stuff there's been some some random moments for England who were the standout performers for you Tom well in I mean, it's in the whole in the whole tournament including every team obviously Sterling but I've, I almost yeah. put a tweet out yesterday and I thought, oh, it, it, you put an opinion on Twitter and you end up getting negative no. responses. So I didn't bother. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say that my player of the tournament, the whole tournament, by the way, not just England, is Kyle Walker. I think yeah. he's been brilliant. I think Sterling would, would just have about have to edge it because he's played in every game and Walker, Walker didn't actually play in Scotland in the game, funny enough, that we, we didn't win. Mm. Um, although, you know, we kept a clean sheet. So can't have too many problems with with that but I think Kyle Walker has been brilliant really really good and can just consider considering how much competition that he's got for his um that, that he's got for his space his place in the side he had to be brilliant and he has been so Kyle Walker the unsung hero but if you're going to actually give an, an official player of the tournament so far I would have to give it to Raheem Sterling and that that goes for the whole tournament, but also the, the semi-final. Yeah, three goals, and he could have got a fourth, couldn't he? Because Simon Kerr knocked it in right in front of him. I think with the own goal, surely Sterling would have tucked that away. Although Casper Schmeichel was in unbelievable form, wasn't he? That's, that save from Sterling in the first half, and that save from Harry Maguire was incredible. So I felt sorry for him a little bit, as we know him so well from Leicester, that he had such a great performance, but couldn't emulate his dad ultimately and, and get that Euros title. Yeah, he, he did. He played very well. And he is a good goalkeeper. I tell you what, he's got some competition now, though, because at Leicester, he's always been number one. Ward, and Danny yeah. Ward um, was brilliant for Wales, wasn't he? So mm, Danny he was, Ward could, yeah. actually be, could actually be knocking on the manager's door, but then Schmeichel stepped up by having a really good game against us, and he, he saved the penalty that pushed it back towards Kane, fortunately for us, unfortunately for him. But no, he did have a very good game. He It wasn't very wise to wind up England pre-match by talking up. He didn't need to... 
he didn't need to um, it's coming say, home. he didn't need to say, well, it's never been home. You've never won it. <laughs> Everybody, because he's lived in England for the vast majority of his life. He yeah. would, you know, he would actually qualify to play for England. I mean, he's, he's Danish. I know that, but he qualifies to play for England. He mm. knows fine well those, the lyrics to that song is not about bringing the trophy home. It's that football was invented yeah. in England and the lyrics are very disparaging towards yeah. the England football team. That's the whole point of it. So there was no need, he, there was no need to, to wind us up about that. And in the end, you think, well, we do have sympathy for him because he played so well and his team lost, but it, it wasn't a wise thing to do. No, I put a tweet out about that. 1863, he codified the game of football in, in a London tavern. They separated it from rugby and then took it to the world. And generally the world's been better at football since than, than England. Although Steve Holland made a really good point. Um, and we were talking about football league in our, in our past conversation in the week. And Steve Holland, the assistant to Gareth Southgate, was saying that we have underperformed internationally when you consider how many footballers there are in this country. When you go down five levels now of professional football, that's unprecedented, unrivaled anywhere else in the world. So it probably is about right that we got to the final of a major final. I wonder whether it's, it's complementary pairings from Gareth Southgate because I'm a Manchester United fan and we've had tough eight years after 20-odd glorious years, so we can't complain too much. But we always talk at United about my brothers on the on the whatsapp group the lads football whatsapp group about united's defense and it's who does who partners Maguire because i think victor lindelof's actually a really good player and we saw that in the euros with sweden but it's just not maybe the right balance for Maguire. whereas carl walker as you say for that england defense is instrumental just because he has that pace and ability to read it which Maguire, for all his assets you know he doesn't turn that quickly so you need you need that alongside him yeah well it's i mean I think Maguire though plays on, on the left of the Does, yeah. two centre backs, doesn't he, for England? It's, but but Stones, it's the same principle. He's far more mobile mm. alongside him. Um, having said that, you know Lindelof as well. But that balance has worked with John Stones. Um, and that I suppose that does complement it. But it's obvious Manchester United have been looking for someone to play alongside Harry Maguire pretty much ever since Harry Maguire signed mm. for Manchester United, and with um with Manchester United currently looking at Varane, it looks like they are trying to replicate what's what happens at England alongside John Stones. Yeah, it reminds me of Steve Bruce, actually, as a United fan, who didn't ever get an England senior camp, but was, cap, but was fantastic for United and had Gary Pallister, who would have that little bit of extra pace behind him. Bruce wasn't probably as good at, as Maguire about bringing the ball out, but he attacked it like Maguire, and he was great in the opposition's penalty area as well. So there was, there was definite kind of um, similarities there. And obviously Vidic and, and um, Ferdinand was a great partnership. Stam and Jonsson more briefly. So it does seem to work in tandem. What do you think about Italy? And you, you mentioned Twitter. It's funny, I put something out and someone actually tagged Mason Mount. I wasn't trying to be critical of Mason Mount, but I just said, I wondered against Italy, did we think that maybe there was there was room for a more attacking 10 in that, in that position? Um, because it seems like Mount's very tenacious, but then someone came back and tagged some stats and said, oh, Mason Mount created more chances in the game than any other player. And I, th I kind of think maybe stats sometimes, What? how do you define a chance uh, the other night? I don't, how do you see the, the key battles against Italy? Because that midfield three of uh, Verratti, Barella and um, uh, Jorginho looks pretty intimidating, doesn't it? It does. We'll have to defend well too. They are... Um... They are good going forward. There was always cause for Chiesa to be starting earlier in the tournament. Now mm. he has been starting and he's completely justified it. Insigne is very tricky and he can strike the ball so well. I think, um, so we are, we are going to have to, we've defended well all tournament. We're going to have to defend 
probably our best defensive performance is going to have to be saved for the final, yeah. uh, despite how well we've done. So that is, it's key that that back four, and I hope it is a back four rather than a back five, although he, he certainly got it right against Germany when he did switch it. Mm. Um, we have to defend well, but the obvious battle is Chiellini and Bonucci against Kane. And I know people say, like, Spain got some, uh, Luis Enrique got a lot of praise for dropping Morata and having a false nine. Mm. And the thinking behind that was that Chiellini and Bonucci didn't know who to mark. Yeah. Well, okay, in theory, that's fine. But Bonucci and Chiellini haven't been at the top level of football for about 15 years because they don't know how to deal with a false nine or they don't know how to deal with pace. They yeah. can deal with anything, all right? Um, Kane, these days, a little bit like Rooney, naturally, he drops a bit deeper. Mm. If you look at like a kind of heat map or a position map, in the 2018 World Cup and in this tournament, Sterling has been more advanced than Kane. Yeah. So if Kane drops and either Bonucci or Chiellini go with him, which they'll have to because it's Harry Kane, they can't just let him have the ball 30 yards out, especially not when England have got two wingers alongside him, Mason Mount to get up next to him, and two attacking fullbacks. So they can't just leave him on his own 30 yards out because no. he'll have, he'll have um, players in forward positions to, to release the ball too. But if he, when he does drop deep, although I don't like him doing it, it could work against Italy because if that takes either Chiellini or Bonucci out of it, and that is more space for what will, will definitely be Sterling and probably Saka. And if, if I'm wrong and Italy can't deal with pace, well, if you've got Kane dropping deeper and those two running in behind, well, that is, that <laughs> is a, a, a great chance for us. Yeah, it's a good point, actually, because Mason Mount in that what would be a 10 position, but Harry Kane effectively plays that. So Mount has to be sort of creative in how he adopts that role. He, get, he gets wide, he does different things because Kane occupies that space and, and tries to turn and, and play in Saka and, and Sterling like he did for the, the goal with Saka. And then Sterling was trying to get at the end of it at the far post and Kier uh, knocked it in. Um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the pace thing because Italy tried to press early against Spain, didn't they? And then gave up because ultimately Spain were so good with the ball and people like Olmo and Isabel and, and those guys were, were sort of um, in, in fine form. Do you think that Italy will press high here? Because if they do, then presumably United, uh, United, <laughs> England <laughs> might, I'm thinking about Harry Maguire, might knock it long. Someone like Maguire or Stones go direct towards Sterling and Saka. Well, well, don't forget Pickford, his distribution with his yeah. left foot is, is probably better than the two centre-backs. Yeah. Um, if, if they press us, we're ready for that because when it comes to counter-attacking, there's no good playing counter-attacking football if you don't have pace. Well, whether it, I mean, it's definitely Sterling, whether it's Saka or Sancho, who knows, even if it's Rashford, I, I doubt it'll be, he doesn't seem to want to start Grealish, even though, to be honest, there's an argument to say that he could play ahead of Mount, but we know for a fact that Southgate won't drop Mount. And that's fine because he's mm. absolutely brilliant. I'm just saying that there is an argument to say that Grealish could start there. But as long as, if you want to play counter-attacking football, you have to have pace. And listen to those players I've just listed. They've definitely got the pace to do that. So if they do press us and we do have to go long, that might create a space for someone uh, like Saka and, 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 and Sterling to counter-attack. And that is that will play into our hands too um whether or not they I, I don't i don't think italy will change their plan i think they will still try to press us 
and yeah. we will try to press them. Um, but but if it, it it can't basically the short answer is it can work into our hands. But if Italy get it right, then you know it could work against us too. I think they'll definitely do it. Yeah, I think you're, it's interesting with Grealish, isn't it? Because he is mercurial and he's he's magical at times. And actually, the impact he made in Germany, being involved in both goals off the bench, you felt that arguably on paper he almost warrants it. He did well against Denmark, won loads of free kicks, then ended up getting substituted off for tactical reasons, despite only coming on himself in the in the 69th minute. But you do think that as Italy tire, his dribbling ability in that second half potentially could be key. People like Chiellini and Bonucci running at them and trying to commit them, Di Lorenzo, the, the right back as well, potentially. It's um, it's, it's, it's fascinating, the, the different matchups. What about the fullbacks? You mentioned England's fullbacks would be attacking. Do you worry that Chiesa and uh, Insigne might pin them back a little bit? Um, well, the, the fullbacks will have to defend, but that is their, their job in the first place. But um, So they'll have to be on their game. But if Chiesa and Insigne switch off for a second... And Shaw and Walker, you know, mm. especially Walker with his pace, if they set off and fly forward, we should have a man over. Yeah. Because whoever plays up front, whoever plays as the out-and-out striker for Italy won't be running after them. And if Insigne and, and Chiesa switch off, which I don't think Mancini will let them do, we do have that man over. And that's another, another point for how important the counter-attack could be for us. Um in, from, an, from an Italy attacking sense and England defending sense, it's even more important that Shaw and Walker don't switch off against those two. And Insigne, although he's right-footed and will cut on cut inside onto his right yeah. foot, it, you can't just leave his left foot open as well because he, he's actually got a decent left foot too. Yeah. Um, Chiesa is right-footed, will play on the right, but show him inside and he can hit it with his left. They're both actually fairly two-footed. So they are going to have to be... I honestly think our defence is what... If, if we win on Sunday, it'll be due to our defence as yeah. opposed to our attack. Maguire and Stones are quite like immobile, do you feel? Not that he's immobile like his name, but he's, um, he's, not the, he's not the most explosive of strikers. Do you think he'll suit them? No, yeah, well... See, Maguire, Maguire will love that. Mm. Maguire will love a battle in that sense. And then if they bring Bellotti on, like they've been bringing Bellotti on, Bellotti is even less mobile, but still excellent. So it's, I don't get too kind of worried about a player's mobility because I just think just because they're not really nimble and lightning fast doesn't yeah. mean they're not, they're not a threat. I mean, look at Harry Kane yeah. for a start. Um, I, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a positive to England. Mm. The fact that Immobile and, and, um, um, Bellotti aren't lightning quick to be honest yeah that that position in midfield I was just thinking about Mason Mount as well he'll be key won't he because he knows Jorginho from Chelsea that's an interesting subplot because Mount had that great battle with Billy Gilmore against Scotland and the club mates obviously that led to the to COVID situation as well which which wasn't ideal but I suppose that's why Southgate would play Mount is because he knows he's tenacious and would press Jorginho and, and harry him yeah I think with with Jorginho it, that is vital to close him down because um, he does have a good range of passing and even if he just plays it sideways or backwards it keeps possession for Italy and then can can tire our forward players out when they go to press yeah. so I think it is important that Mount 
gets right on top of Jorginho, not man-marking him because he's not, he's not good enough to be man-marked. If anything, it should be the other way around. But Mount, if Mount can press Jorginho and he does end up playing the ball backwards towards the defence, then either Sterling or the other winger or Kane, they've got a choice as to, right, OK, can it make a difference? If I sprint down on Chiellini and Bonucci now, Mm. Am I going to force them into a mistake or to give possession back to England at least? Or have I just gone on a have I just gone on a sprint on the attack or to get back and defend? Do I actually need to be sensible and take these few seconds to rest and just let Italy have the ball in defence and mark someone and not give them an option? And that's where it comes down to the 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 brains, the the cleverness the intelligence, sorry, the football intelligence of our three forwards. And that's where Southgate will trust them to make the right decision. And he clearly does trust them. And so far they've been making the right decision. They don't have to, they don't have to absolutely sprint and hair down on the defenders. They could take that time to have a rest. But for Mount, that's different because Mount has to get right on top of Jorginho. Mm. Do you think do you think they'll play the same front three? Because some speculation, I think Gary Neville was saying he could see Saka dropping out of the side to be replaced. He speculated even Marcus Rashford, but again, as a Manchester United fan, I'm not sure Rashford is, is best served on the right-hand side. He definitely prefers the left, so I'm not sure whether that would work. Well, yeah, but he could move Sterling to the right and yeah. Rashford to the left. So it, they could, all of those um, wingers we've got can play on both sides, even Grealish, by the way. Yes. It's just a difference in Grealish. Grealish can play centrally. It will still be, I mean, even if he decides to go for, you know, three centre-backs rather than two, it's, it would still be a front three. It's just at the moment, the argument is it's front four because is Mason Mount a number 10 or is he a third central midfielder? Yeah. And if he brings in this, uh, another defender, it would be, I guess, in place of, I guess it would pro- probably be in place of Mount unless he put Mount wide, but it mm. would still be a, it would still be a front three regardless. Yeah. So do you think, would you back Saka to stay in the team? I don't think he's done enough to to lose his place. As yeah. in, I don't think he's done enough wrong. He's done, he's done more than enough to keep his place. Is what is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think he's kind of proved it. Yeah. Uh, I personally, I'd like to see Grealish start, and that would mean probably him on the left and Sterling moving to the right. But at the same time, um, I think I think it would be very very harsh on Saka. And let's say it's not working for him. We're allowed to make five substitutions. So if it's not working, you can even make a change at yeah. half time. I think, I think he should start. I think he deserves it. Before the tournament, I didn't think Saka would kick a ball. I no. didn't think Saka would get into the 26. Not because he's not brilliant. I love him. I just didn't expect him to get there just because others would maybe be ahead of him in, in the queue. Yet he's been starting and he's been brilliant. So yeah. I think when it comes to the final, I think he starts. Yeah, absolutely. I think Rashford, we always thought, historically would be a starter. Then we both have the shoulder injury as well, which may have, have made it more difficult for him to be in there. But as you say, lots of flexibility. The amount of substitutions does change the game in that scenario. It just feels like, in lots of ways, the dice is loaded. England won the World Cup in 66 at home. It's been effectively 
a home tournament, hasn't it? The way it's panned out, six games at Wembley out of the seven and the one they had to travel for in Rome was arguably the weakest opponents that England have, have faced in, in Ukraine so far in the tournament. But I just wonder, Italy have had to go home as well in between because of the COVID rules, which seems a little bit counterintuitive as they're having to catch flights, which seems more tricky in terms of potentially catching COVID. But nonetheless, they've had to go back. They're coming back to the UK, flying around. So that seems to have make it a little bit more difficult for them. But I just wonder with the weight of emotion, would you fear a little bit the Chiellini spirit? That's the only thing that, that sometimes concerns me is they, they're so fired up, the Italians at the moment. Yeah, they are, which can work against you like it did for Brazil against Germany in 2014. Oh, when was it 2014? Yeah, the home the home World Cup, wasn't it, Brazil? When That's they right, up, yeah. They, yeah. Like they, yeah. Were, they were too fired up for it. I think so far, like Italy have been fired up and it's worked it's worked for them now if we can hey, we can still blast out the national anthem you know mm. we, can, we can still do that that does but, but so far we've been very calm like i said when when denmark took the lead i felt that the players seemed confident well it's okay it's a setback but we'll get back into it our players our england players have been very very calm during games so Italy can be as, as fired up as they want, and it, but that, that can work for you and it can work against you. So far, it's worked for them. I think with their experience, mm. I actually don't think, although they might look like they're overexcited, actually, I think with the experience that they've got in that squad, or certainly in that starting 11, I don't think they'll let it, I don't think no. that it'll let their, let their um, hearts overrule their heads. I, I don't think that'll happen for, for either side, actually. Yeah, don't lose any focus. And actually, the, the key part of people have really acclaimed Geordie Pickford and actually looked a little bit ruffled in the first half against Denmark, but I thought he composed himself again really well and made a really good save from Kasper Dolberg in the second half as well, down to his, his right-hand side. So, Tom, what are, you, what are you going for then? This is it, the first final of, of our lifetime, first ever final of the European Championship. What are you saying? Well, it, it's, it's actually, I knew you were going to ask this and I've <laughs> been having a little battle with myself because I... I I think it's going Italy are going to win one nil, right? Mm. However, like Denmark were last all, time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, all I can picture though is penalties. I honestly, I honestly think mm. in my head I'm kind of already imagining it going to penalties. Yet I'm going to predict one nil Italy, which makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I, I think maybe it's <laughs> it's like <sighs> reverse psychology. Maybe you're just not trying to jinx it the other way. Maybe. Yeah, the, 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 the kind of past, the, the history. I mean, England, we always seem to have a penalty shootout in these tournaments. And mm. in the last one, you know, against Colombia, we actually won one. Um, Italy have had, they had two penalty shootouts so far, Italy? It's two, isn't it? No, they've, um, um, no they got past Austria an extra time. I don't think it went to penalties. Oh, they, won. they did but it in the last minute, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, good point. I, um, I can't get penalties out of my head, but I also can't get Italy 1-0 out of my head. So in that case, I'm going to go Italy on penalties. Italy on penalty. Well, no team has ever won two penalty shootouts in a European Championship. But I think that stat's a little bit disingenuous because the European Championship used to be really small, didn't it? Whereas now it's quite expanded. So there's more, more chance of going to pens. Although Spain did come through one shootout against Switzerland and then lost, lost to Italy. I'm going to go England 1-0. I think it is going to be tight. It's going to be quite agonising. I'll, I'll be at work. Will people, you going to be on social media, Tom, beforehand? I guess not during it, but people can follow you, can't they? Tom White Media. Oh, yeah. Tom White, uh, at Tom White Media on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. But throughout this tournament, Ed, I've not been given any opinions. I've just been putting pictures <laughs> up of, of my retro shirt collection. <laughs> well, send me another one. I'll, uh, I'll use it to promote the podcast. But good to speak to you, mate. Enjoy it Sunday. And uh, hopefully we'll be celebrating Monday for probably about another six months afterwards. 
Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Ed. He's gone it. He's got Italy. I'll tell you what, penalties, if it does go to penalties, you just wonder there's a composure and a calmness and a psychology that seems assured about England now, doesn't there? And Southgate, who missed that penalty as an England player in 96, saved by the German goalkeeper as Germany went through and beat Czech Republic in the final, ultimately. Um, and sung football's coming home. As we hear that resonating around the country at the moment, they certainly have taken it on board in Germany and other countries as well. And they keep taking it home. But maybe it is England's time to, to win something after being the founder of the football game in the 1860s. And that tavern in London would be nice to get some success, at least a European success at that level, to go with the 66 World Cup. Who knows? Might spur them onto things in Qatar next year. But it seems an opportunity, doesn't it, on home soil. England having won the World Cup on home soil, having played six of the seven games on home soil this time around, including the upcoming final against Italy. You had to go back for COVID protocols to Italy, to Florence, I believe, in between their semi-final on penalties after extra time and how grueling that was to then fly back to Italy, fly back here. I know it's not a long flight, but it still seems that it's uh, shifted the the weight of balance in, in England even more, given the home fans. And now they're sort of maybe less fatigue, even though Italy played the night before. Nonetheless, we shall see. I hope you enjoy it. I will be at Sky Sports News, mainly uh, for in case the Wembley broadcast falls down, but I'll be there around just after the game for a, a little update So in the studio. So I hope to, if you're watching Channel 409, you will see me on Sunday. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. If you could rate it on iTunes or just tell a friend, let me know on, on Twitter, Ed Draper 81, Ed, under, Ed Draper underscore 81 on Instagram. Be appreciative if you get in touch, but yeah be good to uh, good to hear from you and hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening thank you to the sponsors bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations check out the bang olufsen cheltenham website if you're looking for any audio visual equipment as i say through serene av can source you whatever best fits your vision and your budget so uh, worth getting in touch with Jason Briggs and his team, although he'd be very excited over the next few days to think about the football, so may may not get back to you straight away. I'm sure he will. He's, an, he's ever ever professional. And with Cytoplan, if you're looking to optimise your immunity and health, want to fill in the gaps after the foundations of sleep, exercise and nutrition, macronutrition, that is food, then maybe uh, micronutrition can be looked at with supplements. And the code is DRAPER10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. So head to cytoplan.co.uk for that, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. Right, thank you for listening to the podcast. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. If you're an English fan, good luck. If you're an Italian fan, good luck. But I hope I'm saying congratulations Sunday night, not congratulazioni, which is the brilliant Italian word for congratulations. It shows our Latin roots, doesn't it, even for English. Cheers, guys. <laughs>